0: Welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and of course, my co-host, as always, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. Well, hello, sir. How hello, are you? Hello. Yeah, I'm a little, a little tired. <laughs> I know you were
1: you were telling yeah. me what.
0: What happened? Yeah. Oh, just um, friends in town, you know, mm-hmm. and I suggested to, I suggested to them, how about I take you to a restaurant that's off strip, you know, so right. you don't have to eat at your casino right. hotel, I can take you somewhere else. So I took them to a restaurant called Izakaya Go. Uh-huh. Izakaya Go is a Japanese tapas and bar. So Did we go there?
1: I feel like we went there. We did not in go a there. a little
0: strip mall. Yeah, I did take you to a place, but what was that, that was that place. It was like was, a Japanese place, too. It was Trattoria Nakamura, which was that's a Japanese it was. and Italian fusion, place, which it is was. also amazing. Right. So these oh, are these funny. hidden gems. And the reason why I wanted to go to Izakaya Go is because I have gone to their sister restaurant, which is also in the Spring Mountain kind of you know, Asian restaurant area, part of Vegas. Right, right. And I have been binging on this series on Netflix called midnight diner. I don't know uh-huh. if you've seen this or not. It's no. basically set uh-huh. in Tokyo and it's a, di- it's a basically a series about a diner that's only open from midnight to 7.00 AM. That's it. Wow. And there's only one thing on the menu, but the guy that owns the place, just one guy in there doing all the cooking and everything, he owns it. If you ask him for something if he has the ingredients, he'll make it for you. So that's what the, yeah. So, I've been getting into the place
1: that's in like a subway station or something. That's not, No,
0: you're talking about something else. I know what's what you're talking about. No, this is not the subway station one. And this is scripted. This is not um, a documentary. It's scripted, but it's gotten me on this crazy kick where where I'm just wanting to try these traditional Japanese dishes. And this restaurant has them. Izakaya go has all this stuff. Like um, for instance, in this, in the series, there's these three sisters that come in and they Mm -hmm. always order. Order, this Japanese dish called chazuke. Chazuke is sort of a um, a rice dish, but right. the rice is sitting in a kind of a broth of green tea, a green tea broth, right? Oh wow. And on top you can choose either pickled plum, salmon or um uh fish eggs. So you choose right. the topping. And so they have it in the series and they have it at this restaurant. Oh, that's so funny. We ordered all this stuff and it was amazing. It's oh, really and, interesting. Oh, it's so good. But the other thing I was going to tell you, you know me, I'm not typically a drinker, but in this series Everyone's either drinking uh, in Japanese, yeah, sake, or they'll say biru, biru, which is beer. So right. I've been, I've been drinking Japanese beer almost every day now for the oh last oh my god two weeks. What's it's wrong like it's, with you? Who well, because are you? Of the show, the show. I know. I'm, I'm turning into Robbie McNeil. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. A, I, I definitely don't like alcohol, but I will say, uh, Japanese beer is pretty darn good. Um, Sapporo, especially,
1: yeah, it's especially smooth. with the Food, like with the food, if it's paired
0: with the right food, oh my gosh, yes, I agree, yeah. So, the next time you're in Vegas, I really want to take uh, you and Rebecca to this restaurant, okay? So amazing, it's so good, we'll do it. Oh, yes, so yummy. All right, so this week's
1: episode, yes, is Year of Hell, Year of Hell, part one. This is a famous episode, this is a big episode, definitely, yeah. Um.
0: I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, did you want to say anything right now about it or just talk about it when we come
1: back? from? The well, movie? I just I know, you know, this is a this is a very big episode. Was this the episode that we took to the Museum of Television and Radio? Didn't we do like a is screening? Is this the one? We,
0: yes, we did do a screening, but I thought it was a different episode. But if you're I, you might be right. I feel you might like be it right.
1: might be this episode. We did a big screening and a panel okay.
0: there. Yeah, with fans. At the Museum yeah, was, of Television and Radio in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. I do recall that. The entire yeah. cast was there. We yeah. were all there for that. Yeah, And you think it was this episode? I right? think it was this episode. Okay. I do. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Excited let's, to watch this one. Let's go check all this right. out. All right. We'll be right back, everyone. See you soon. We are back from watching
1: Year of Hell Part Ooh. 1. Whoa, boy. Boy. That Look was it. a lot. There's so much going on. There's so much. <laughs> I was like, I, <sighs> normally I'm making notes and I'm remembering like little details and I'm, I'm able to kind of pause down. Literally every five seconds I was pausing, making notes like, oh, my yeah. God, wait, I got yeah. to keep this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to keep this organized because it's so complicated. What was happening in all the different parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Okay. So why don't we start off with our poetry haiku and our poetry limerick yes our synopsis our poetry synopsis okay here's my haiku for year of hell part one thank you anoraks obsessed voyager falling apart we abandon ship Mm. now i have an alternate i have an alternate third line okay here's the alternate anoraks obsessed voyager falling apart Chakotay Tom, gone. Oh,
1: I like that one.
0: I like, I like that, that one, one better. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll use that one. <laughs>
1: we'll
0: use no, that No, they're
1: one. both good. They're both really good. Make a good.
0: note for the compilation um, the, poetry the book. Yeah, the published yes. poetry synopsis of Voyager that we put together. Okay.
1: Here's my limerick for Year of Hell Part One. The Krenim want 100% restoration, willing to destroy anything in their desperation. Voyager suffers continued attacks. Only emergency rations for snacks. Escape pods offer the only salvation. Nice, yeah, good
0: job, yeah, Rob Becca. Uh, good, <laughs> that's escape. your hybrid name, Rob. We got escape pods in there, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, that's very impressive. And snacks, with that. which is very Sna- important. That was the most impressive <laughs> part of your. Uh-huh your limerick was getting snacks snacks, snacks, snacks in, in there
1: exactly
0: oh my goodness okay. um
1: okay so All there right. you go that there's our poetry but mm-hmm. let's get back to this episode it is written by brandon braga and joe monoski right. two of the brainiest brains uh, ever to write star trek very yep. smart guys yeah um directed by alan craker who we love oh good old alan yeah yes and i do remember shadowing on this a bit oh you do do? yeah i do remember coming in um i don't think full time or anything like that but i do remember coming into um some of the kurtwood smith scenes on his ship and seeing how they were laying this out and how they were blocking things i thought it was really elegant there was sort of this um this these levels to the ship kind of behind the captain's chair and there was this Mm -hmm long sort of hall hall you know runway in front of kurtwood smith's um chair yeah. and so they laid down this circle track which i had never seen before because we didn't oh, carry yeah. circle track
0: mm-hmm. but they had
1: actually built the set in a way that that circle track could fit into that space wow. um, so they built it for the track knowing that they were going to be moving the camera in that way and so Why don't you explain,
0: Robbie? explain what a circle track is to people that don't know. So
1: so the way the cameras um, traditionally operate is you have your camera and that's mounted onto a head, which is either uh, uh, wheels, like old fashioned wheels that the operators turn to move the camera tilt and pan. Or it's a fluid head, which is kind of a stick, like a lot of us have seen on our tripods for our cameras at home. You have a little Mm -hmm. stick and you can tilt it and pan it. So there's the head and then the head sits on top of uh, a dolly or if it doesn't have to move, it could sit on top of a tripod. It could sit on top of a number of things, but the camera and the head sit on a dolly and then the dolly, if you're going to move it, you usually put it on track. It looks like railroad track Yep. and the track most track is straight track. Most all dolly moves, 99% of dolly moves are on straight track. Correct. They push in, they pull out, they go mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. Uh, circle track is what, like it sounds it's track that's meant to go in a circle and you can yeah. choose it because the, the, the angle or the circumference of that circle could be larger. If you want a larger circle or smaller from a smaller circle, mm-hmm. circle track is more specialty items yeah. that you don't typically carry. So they had designed this set with that runway for circle track of a certain diameter to fit mm-hmm. so that they could wrap around. And yeah. and that that was, I don't know if Alan Craker had a lot to do with that, but I do remember when I was watching this episode, I remember, oh yes, I was shadowing. I do remember that track and never seeing, Yeah, uh, we never used it on our track really that yeah, often. I, I think, think
0: you're right. It's rare. 1% of the time, probably in filming in the nineties did yeah. someone use a circle
1: track. So yeah. yes. Yeah. Very cool, though. Um, yeah. yeah, so I do remember that. But Alan Craker yeah. did a phenomenal job. I mean, I think some of his staging and the photography, the way that, particularly on Kurtwood Smith's ship, yeah, um, I thought it was they were just elegantly um, directed scenes. It's yeah. it's just uh, a masterclass in in staging and shot making. It was yeah. really, really well done.
0: Yeah. And that yeah. and that is how we open up this episode is uh, a scene on the Krenim timeship, mm-hmm. and we see they are eradicating a Zal colony or settlement. Mm-hmm. They call they call what they what they're doing is they call it a temporal incursion. That's what they call yes. it throughout the yeah That's yes. the euphemistic way of saying what they're doing. And um, and after they after they you know they send that that wave that weapon that, where they eradicate all life. Then they mm-hmm. probe the continuum and then um, the Krenum ship captain played by Kurtwood Smith, then mm-hmm. asks, has our target event been achieved? And we don't really know what the target event is yet in part one. You know, we're not sure no. what, what no, he's trying to do. They're looking for a particular, some of this language to, to
1: me was, was hard to follow mm-hmm. because it is mm-hmm. sort of it's sci-fi language, but what yeah. I, you know, in a, in a Tom Paris way, I guess I would say like, what are they trying to do? They're trying to hit a specific Time in history and recapture something, capture something there, a moment in time where something was happening and we don't know what exactly.
0: Well, we kind of get clues of it because, you know, we hear later on in the episode, uh, Kurtwood Smith's Anorax asks his uh, first officer, he says, well, what about the, what about the one colony on? Yeah. The one the, colony. Yeah, exactly. And he's so like, that's, no, yeah, he goes, that, that was, that didn't happen. You know, this cause he's, he talks about a 98% mm-hmm. um, uh, restoration. So that point mm-hmm. two that 2% restor, uh, non-restored part of uh, the timeline is including that one yeah. colony. So obviously well, that colony has something to do with it.
1: Yeah, right? for yeah. sure. And Mm -hmm. and like you said, this opening scene sort of sets up the circumstances well, because even the very first shot is this sort of high angle on some planet that has all kinds of it's a big city on some planet. Yeah. And by the way, it looks like a water treatment plant to me. It looked like Mm -hmm. it (laughs) it looked like the the way it was designed. I was like, that looks like a giant water treatment plant, but it was a city. Yeah. And then this weapon fires from space. Mm-hmm. Fires this kind of wave that we don't know what that is—the energy yeah. wave—but mm-hmm. everything sort of as the wave washes over, it washes this entire city away, and all that's left is a river. Gone. Yeah. So it's a it's a great visual in that first scene where you see, oh, this is what these guys do, and we don't know if they just wipe out the physical part of the city, or but it looks like everything, yeah, is gone, and you get this idea that in some way they've restored it back to what it was before before that the civilization showed yes. up right yeah. yeah 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 so there so so now we know about those guys and then we go to yeah. our opening credits when we come back we are inaugurating the astrometrics lab for the very first time we're seeing mm-hmm. this set yeah and i had forgotten that harry and seven were the two people that combined Starfleet and Borg uh, ingenuity to create this entirely new technology, James? Yeah, new mapping technology, and um, you and you say it's <laughs> ten times more accurate than what we've been using. So yeah. the Borg and the Starfleet, you know, combo is pretty powerful. That's what that says to me. Like that's pretty cool.
0: It is. It's a good combination. I also I was laughing at the part because at the end of this the doctor has his little comedic moment like the yeah. only comedic moment in this entire episode and he's talking about you know I need to share this story and he talks about how we've come together as a family and he lists everybody and at the end he goes and even Mister Paris and I thought oh yes. man yeah what a what a backhanded I don't know what that it just that's kind of there like was, a, a verbal I, slap in the face it's sort I of like I
1: feel like what? I feel like our writers and I'd be curious because I feel like our writers found their comedy in this sort of snarky, snipey kind of way. Like Mm. people do it all the time. They find comedy, you know, Tuvok says things that are just kind of snarky and snipey. And yeah, you know, people Mm -hmm. talk about Neelix in a snarky and snipey way. Like that's often our writer's version of comedy or light moments was, Mm. was that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, even Mr. Paris. Even Mr. Paris. It's it's Paris. funny, but it's just kind of snarky. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I don't wanna I don't wanna um, you know, I, I feel like we we didn't really mention how grave the situation is with this time ship. I mean, that's that's crazy. If you think about the Borg being okay, they're assimilating everybody, but yeah. this this race, they're not even assimilating people, they're like, Okay, we're just gonna just make you vanish from existence okay well it's All interesting of your, everything that you have ever known about these people are yeah. going to be gone which is well, even more
1: it's devastating a, right it is a incredibly powerful tool Fairy. or weapon yeah. in yeah. fact later on we'll get to this scene much later on but when yeah. there's a bit of a chase with this ship mm-hmm. we we learn that they can only go up to warp six that's so right we've, we've got technology yeah. to outrun them right but, but they don't really, it. typically, they've not needed it because they no. can just shoot out this weapon Yeah, and we can outrun their weapon. So they don't have to right. fly that fast. They just have right. to shoot this freaking time change thing. And, right. And that's uh, it. Yeah.
0: But they can't do the, what they, op, you know, their typical MO is they, they figure out what's going on and they head to that home world and then take out the home world. Right. Yeah. But knowing that we're from the Alpha Quadrant, 65,000 light years away, they cannot go to our home world and take out earth and then take us out too, basically. So they, that is one I thing wonder, that they don't have.
1: Yeah. And, and I wonder, this is going to get answered. I'm sure it's just occurring to me in this moment, you know, yeah. Um, with this time wave that they send out, it sort of erases, it changes time and moves time around. Well, they sent that wave out in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. We got hit by this wave. Yeah. And in theory, we should be we should be eradicated, well, like, or we should be back in the Alpha Quadrant, or we should be back in the Alpha Quadrant or something. Right. Like yeah. there is something about because later on, no, I mean, don't mean to give away a spoiler, but most yeah. of you that are listening to this have seen this episode at least once. Um, <laughs> um, later on, after Seven develops this phase, you know, uh, changes the phase variance on our shields. To protect us from the torpedoes, the chronoton torpedoes. Torpedos, yeah. and, and then I, I guess I would say that at that point, we're safe from these weapons. Mm-hmm. But in the very first scene, we didn't have that technology. So why are we even alive? Because, the,
0: because that wave wasn't directed at us. That was just an after effect. That was just the residual wave, I feel. I think if we were at the heart of that wave, we would have been screwed. Mm. But because that was, you know, light years away from where we're at, we we've just experienced the the you know the side the, like the, the side residual effects. yeah it's just yeah. a residual it's a lighter version of of the wave that's what oh. I'm thinking right I mean that wave can't when they hit that wave it's it's targeted towards one planet one settlement one species one civilization oh, not right. towards the I entire mean maybe quadrat, that makes you know? yeah
1: it's just now all of a sudden I'm starting to put some of this logic together yeah. I'm sure they argued this in the room and they've got no, an you've answer got for it point. but yeah but there is like this weapon is should be almost um, you know, totally mm-hmm. indefensible. Like, you should, yes. you know, they, uh, we do come up with the one defense. Seven comes up with that later on, but yeah. at this yeah. point, we should have we should have suffered the consequences of this weapon, and we didn't. Yeah. And we're yeah. kind of in these battles where we're losing decks and and parts of our ship, and obviously yeah. the ship's getting destroyed and damaged a lot. But, yeah, this technology is kind of like it's a game changer in a way that I don't know how we've even survived one episode of this stuff. Mm,
0: yeah. But, and and now I need to ask you a very important question. Yes, sir. What do you think of Janeway's hair?
1: Ah, I is did make is... a note. I did make a note right here at the end of we're called to the bridge. By the way, I did love, I'm going to, I'm going to get to her hair in a second. But yeah. Seven's got a line where she talks about the Zol, this this species that's here that we're going to yep. meet one of their guys in a minute. Yeah. But um. She talks about the Zoll and she says, their resistant quotient is quite quite low. Mm. (laughs) I just never heard the (laughs) the term. Well, their resistance quotient is quite low. I just never heard that term. It's very funny. How Borg of her to say that. How Borg of her. Yeah. So so we leave and I did make a note right here. I was like, is this Kate's real hair for the first time? (laughs) I feel like it might be. I don't. Well, (laughs) the irony of this is that
0: for me, is that the hair that she is? You know, the her hairstyle in Astrometrics in the beginning, before yes. all the crap hits the fan, um, <laughs> it's identical to Jean-Vivie Bujold's hair. Season one, yes, it <laughs> day is. one, it is the one day that she worked. That's it, you know. And I thought, oh my gosh, look at that! You know, it's it come took, full circle. It took four seasons for Janeway to get her hair to where um, Jean-Vivie Bujold. It basically insisted upon having it just yeah. kind of distort and just no nonsense. Right. And so yeah. there it is. Um, Paris's hair is doing something weird in this scene, too. Uh, I wasn't, I don't know what was A little loosey goosey. Yeah, a little loosey goosey. But, yeah. but uh, Janeway's hair definitely was the uh,
1: standard. There's a lot of different hair versions to watch in this episode mm, with that's her. That's true. That's um, true. Yeah. Anyway, we go to the bridge and we see this Crenum uh, Commandant. Um, I guess they have, uh, you know, male pattern baldness in the crenum kren- <laughs> uh, because he was a bald man. Um, and so was uh, Kurtwood Smith. And, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe that's part of this species is they maybe. have uh, genetic male male pattern baldness. happening? Yes.
0: Yeah. It is of note, though, that we when we're on the bridge, we think this is the Zoll. That are firing yeah, on us, right? Because we're yeah. like, we're like, oh my god, and then what Crenum, the Krenum Imperium. Who is this guy? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also the other important note I wrote down is when we go to the bridge, Janeway Janeway's uh, line. Her line. Not Jane Way's line, but but she's spoken to by Ensign Lang, played by Deborah Levin. She's yes. at the tactical. This is the same one that got shot by the phaser on the bridge. And she's like, she, <laughs>
1: yeah, she, does, she that. does
0: that whole, like, you know, convulsing kind of falling down when she gets phasered. Right. That's well, I think she, that's she, Ensign Lang.
1: She, Ensign Lang will end up dying in this episode. Really? She's the one that's oh. on the ground later. We'll no. get to that. Are Somebody you was, sure about there's that? A, there's a woman on the ground. I, I assumed that was it was Lang because she nah. was right there. Well, okay, we'll have get to that. Have
0: to we'll look get to, look to that, that, that anyway. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we're on the bridge. We're talking to this Krennum commandant and uh and i love they're firing these little little torpedoes yeah we think P they're shooter. not DLP shooters we think they're not a threat <laughs> i love kate's line she says with all due respect unless you've got something bigger in your torpedo tubes i am not turning around well bow chicka bow wow right that. what w- what you got in those <laughs> torpedo tubes mr Cranham? <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah, by the way, um, so the guy that's playing the Zoll officer, Rick Fitz, is his name. Yeah, he has appeared in over 125 television shows. He has, I looked at his credits, yeah, our Zoll officer, Rick Fitz, yeah, Yeah. uh, who tells us all about the Mm Crenum. Um, but he has done his resume. it's yeah. insane. It, how much it's as done. long as our
0: body has yeah. a He has so many credits. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but
1: he's our ZOL officer. Um, so the, so the credit, uh, the male pattern baldness, Krennum commandant yep. uh, retreats. And we, we cut to Rick Fitz explaining. He apologizes about the Krennum. He said a general, a generation ago, the all defeated them and their vessels. St- some of their vessels still wander the area, yeah. uh, but they're not going to be any trouble. Yeah. And, um, and we go back out to the bridge. And now this commandant is really pissed off. And he's like, yeah. uh, you're still here. That's it. Uh, we're going to attack. Let's take this
0: time to talk about the actor playing that role of the Krenim yes. commandant. Yes. That actor's name is Peter Slutzker. That's what he's credited as. Peter Slutzker. But he changed his name. He changed his name to Peter Marks, M-A-R-X. And you know what? I get it. Okay. If your last name has the word slut in it, it's a little difficult. You know, Peter Slutsker. Slutsker. Exactly. I think Peter Slutsker
1: dated a friend of mine back in the 80s. Way back in the Yes. Interesting. I think Peter was a musical theater guy.
0: Yeah, he's born in New York City. There, yeah. Yeah. Um, He also has other Star Trek credits. Uh, He has uh, Star Trek Next Generation, Mm -hmm. three credits, all as Ferengi. He played Nybor, Rega, and Berta. Berta, these are three Ferengi characters that he played in Star Trek TNG. There's actually a photo of him I found posing next to gene roddenberry on set of of, uh, next generation so yeah so you know he got to meet gene which is something that i didn't get to do (laughs) i (laughs) didn't either uh, you didn't either so um you know peter marks peter slutsker is the lucky dog in that one um so yeah just want to give him props right there yeah
1: Yeah. anyway so while we're talking to this uh commandant um Mm -hmm. i think harry picks up a a special spatial distortion is headed right at us it's five light years across that's giant it's huge five light years across yeah and it came from a vessel we we say uh mm-hmm. near the zol homeworld that's where yeah. it's coming from yeah and this giant temporal field is headed our way and yeah. we we hit this space time shock wave hits the hits the uh the ship yeah and we we've lost engines we basically sort of we disappear the space shot of our ship Right, sees this wave come across us and we just disappear out of that space, yeah. So, I guess, in a way, what I was bringing up before, I forgot mm-hmm. about this. We did disappear out of that timeline. We're well, in another, did we we're... disappear? Is that what happened? I mean, the wave eradicates
0: the uh Rick Fitz character, right? He and his other all um lackey or whatever they're on the bridge and they. They disintegrate, right? They're gone. They're and gone. The, the Zal ships also dis, are eradicated. And all of a sudden that Krenim ship, the Krenim ship that has Peter Marks in it, yeah, that gets upgraded. It, it goes from a slight, you know, a, a kind yep. of a, a thinner, smaller ship to a more imposing um, yep. ship, right? And um, so you're saying we disappeared at this well, point.
1: Well, and the, I wrote down, I put a note here that we disappear when we lose engines, when the impact happens. Yeah. I made a note. It looks like a space shot that I was referring to outside, mm-hmm. where as the wave came across the ship, our ship yep. disappeared. Okay, and then we probably cut back inside yeah. to which, yes, that's my next note. We cut back inside to the bridge, yeah. and uh, and I think Chakotay says she's dead to an officer, uh, uh, one of our Starfleet officers, lying in on the ground. Who well, you think, who it's I think is dead. Yes, I think that's Ensign Lang. And by the up. way, she's laying yeah. in the same spot. Where someone died last in last week's episode. So I'm going to say that that is a bad luck spot. I Don't agree. stand in that spot that is, on the bridge because is... you'll likely be dead.
0: That is the Bermuda Triangle of the Voyager of the bridge. bridge. You yes. do not want to be anywhere near there. No. Clearly, Mm-mm. no. I no. think that was
1: Ensign lying on the floor. Okay, although okay. nobody seemed to care that much.
0: No, that Ensign was. T- no, they were like, "Yeah, she's dead." <laughs> I like, go, oh, "That's the one that died." Really, I mean, that's the one that was phasered so awkwardly. It's okay if she passes. Yeah, away, I guess people yeah. don't even care. Okay, yeah. um, but I'm gonna double check to make sure. I'm gonna watch it again to see if that really is her. Um, Voyager is a complete mess on the Kryten timeship. 98% restoration is not good enough because this is when Kurt Smith, mm-hmm. Anoraks, the character of Anoraks, then asks his first officer, what about that colony? What about the Kornum colony? Is that, is that, uh, has that survived in this timeline? They're like, no, it's not even, it's not there. So, By the way, um, the
1: colony's name was, uh, he says, was the colony at Keanu Prime restored as well? And Keanu Reeves, what that's what I said. (laughs) You wrote that down, Ah, didn't you? It's Keanu Prime. (laughs) They they made a whole colony out of Keanu. Oh, that's so cool! I love it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, he was clearly haunted by whatever happened at this colony. Yeah, and something is personal for him. You can tell in there, right?
0: Um, there's a shot in the Voyager corridor where the doctor is escorting all these, you know, patients basically, all these injured and non-injured crew members to safety yes. and um Janeway, uh, is deploying mines uh torpedoes yeah. like she mines she tor- how many torpedoes do way? we have le- left four. i think
1: four, four torpedoes that was yeah. it yeah. so yeah. she says yes yeah, so let's use them like mines so, Mines, yeah so um, we kind of dump them out yeah just uh just uh, and, you know a bunch of them out like torpedoes yeah, yeah. and it does destroy the ship or you know and, there's yeah There's a structural collapse. And I love when uh,
0: your reaction, my reaction, reaction. I'm like, got him. And I clap my hands. Actually, you hit the console. I hit the console. So you hit your console and you're like got him. And you yell very loudly. You know, I, know. Was like, I was like, wow, very, that's a lot of emotion. I was excited. That was, was really good. Was I've never seen, guys there. I've never, I just don't recall you having that much emotion ever in seven years, <laughs> like on the bridge. <laughs> it was good. So that was super emotional. So yeah, that was, was good. that was okay. I'm okay with that one.
1: It, yeah. I was excited. Nice. Uh, Kate does, the ship takes a hit. Kate goes down to the floor yeah. And I just love what her hair did. It was like oh, it's just all like, the hairspray just held it together as yeah, it, it, was as like it this... kind of flip forward. Yeah. And she comes up mm-hmm. and it's sort of sticking up. Yeah, sticking amazing, up like an 80s sort of amazing like hair. Amazing hair. Did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting hair episode. She says to Chicote, though, she says, you you take the bridge or what's left of it. Yeah, And she tosses <laughs> this piece of plastic. And I was like, where do all these random pieces, pieces. of plastic? Like, what <laughs> part of our ship? are those things. And I did, I did make a note later on as it gets worse and worse. Like if you recall, they would put all this debris out on the floor. That was just sort of these random (laughs) heated up pieces of plastic that was sort of look bent. And then a lot of cork, like black spray painted cork. (laughs) Cork, Yeah. So it would sort of crumble. It was just cork. And I'm like, I was watching this episode thinking what part of of the (laughs) ship is made of cork. Like it just, it looks it's the, fine. It it's looks the U- fine. <laughs> it's the USS bulletin board. You know that. And again, as as the ship gets more and more, you start to see on the bulkheads and on the walls behind us yeah. that they had put like some paper mache that they yes. sort of bunched they, they, up. They made it warped, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, and but you could see the squares, like yeah, you could see the yeah. edges. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, what, what part of the ship gets damaged like that? Right. It just was, a yeah, I think uh, they yeah. wanted a lot of mess and they, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the most, I guess, cost effective way to tell that story was a lot of cork, a yeah. lot of plasticky stuff and a lot yeah. of uh, yeah, paper mache on the walls. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it
0: jumps back and forth between the bridge and the corridor with the doctor. And then finally, Mm -hmm. the doctor has to make this this horrible decision, which is, yes, that's that area of the ship is about to just implode. Right. So he has to shut the hatch on some of the couple of the the crew that are trying to run towards him. And um, they're they're gone. That's basically the end of that crew, because we find out from Harry on the bridge that sections 10 to 53 on deck five are gone completely Mm -hmm. gone no more um so now we see this is this is a serious situation for the crew you know that we're dealing with something that we've never dealt with before and this is hardcore um Janeway's ready room Chakotay and Janeway are together Chakotay suggests abandoning abandoning ship splitting into smaller groups and Janeway is like no we have to stay together this is the only way we're going to survive we need to stay together stronger together use each other's strengths yeah and talents we need everybody's talents here and the tag on that scene was just awesome, like where Chicote finds the the one, oh hey her, this is her, still intact
1: yeah well, my she, lucky teacup tea, she goes my lucky teacup and then <laughs> yeah. bam there's another shot right. she puts it down on her desk and as they mm-hmm. walk out the desk it, starts shaking and yeah. the lucky teacup, teacup hits the floor and cracks yeah. look at that that's, what a that's metaphor the foreshadowing for her, right her there, bad right? luck yes. Yeah. yes there it is um, there it is we come we. Come back and it says day 47 at this point. If for those keeping score at home, huh? yeah. It says day 47 and Harry, Harry and Bolano. We got a shot of I had to go back and look at it. I'm like, what is this? I'm looking at. I hear their yeah. voices, but I didn't know. We yeah. were inside the shaft of the of the turbo lift, I guess. So we were looking. Oh, is that at, what
0: that is? That's, okay. But didn't that shut off? There was some there was a hatch closed yes. there too, right? So yeah. I guess that was part of the
1: term. Tur- um, it was like an elevator shaft that we. Yeah, were in. so we're stuck. We're st- you guys were stuck, were stuck in a turbo in there. Yeah, and we're and playing. We see you playing movie trivia or, tr- or you know, quiz. I say playing
0: quiz show is what I said, right? Yeah, and I totally forgot about this scene in Toy Solid. I said, "Oh, I remember this." And then I'm as I'm watching it, I love that they didn't make me reshoot the. They let me kind of play with this scene a little bit because uh-huh. when she doesn't guess she guesses the wrong actor. And I say Cary Grant. And you, did you notice that I did Cary Grant's name? When I said Cary Grant's name, I said it in Cary
1: Grant's yes, voice, I did. right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Cary Grant, you know, so I did that and they let me keep that, which
1: I was really excited. Yeah, about. that was so, good. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. I like the scene. Yeah. I like, could you possibly, you talk about, uh, uh, athletes, famous, <laughs> yeah. famous yeah. athletes, and you yeah. guess the right athlete. I Can sure you repeat his name right now. Do you, I cannot. <laughs> I was like, what the heck?
0: It was Klingon. You like
1: spit it out. Like,
0: I, I spit it out like it, it was, was, it was it good. It was like my
1: cousin's name. I knew yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. But uh, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Fun. And yeah. so she's injured, but I couldn't tell what was injured because she was yeah, sort of holding I, her legs. I'm it, like, did she hurt her knee? Did she skin her knee? It we, seemed like she, she. We find out later that she's got a, a you know, a ruptured spine or something vertebrae or vertebrae, something like that yes. yeah it was
0: internal i don't think it was anything to do with her leg right yeah because yeah. i'm kind of as i'm consoling her i'm kind of touching on her leg just to make her feel better right yeah um, then i felt like oh my gosh tom would be mad that i'm this touchy with his woman no no she's You're injured okay, okay yeah things, uh <laughs> seven console people
1: in the world seven yes, seven does seven and a crowbar seven and a crowbar come to the rescue yeah right uh, she opens the door and she says yeah. the entire turbo lift system is down. Yeah. Um, and and then- as you, as you start moving down the hall, she says, by the way, the ship Phoenix. was the Phoenix. <laughs> and she also says the Borg were present. Yeah. That, that, it's so- a complicated story. I'm
0: like, yeah, what? I'll tell you later, but the Borg were there. And I thought, oh man, is this another, The you know- Borg
1: were there when uh, is that from Cochran? Yeah. Flew the when, the Phoenix?
0: when we had first contact with the with the Vulcans? Vulcans, yeah, the Borg were somehow watching Around. or observing this. Yeah, this so. this just
1: sounds like something they didn't even know what they were saying, but they were just I, wanted either
0: that, or I thought maybe they were setting it up for some type of movie thing, you know, in the future, down the road. Like this is okay, we can introduce this idea, and this will become some type of you know yeah. future film idea. I don't know. Yeah,
1: she goes complicated story, and mm-hmm. so they we don't get we don't hear the answer. No we don't and then we cut up back up under the bridge and janeway and chakotay and paris are standing there they're talking about reconfiguring some of the bulkheads and uh chakotay says well this you know this was uh, all paris's idea yes and janeway basically calls me a genius she said, ingenious. ingenious. And it was your idea. The reverse hull idea. The, the, yeah. the, trans,
0: the transverse bulkheads idea from Paris. Yeah. And then Paris is like, I got that idea from the Titanic. <laughs> Which, and then Jane was like, well, as far didn't the as Titanic, I know, did that thing sink? sink? Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's You're like, like well, made, I've
0: done the calculations, made a, few so yeah, improvements. made a few improvements. It's better yes. now. Trust me.
1: And then the doctor calls and says, uh, I need you in the mess hall immediately. Yeah. And uh, so Tom Paris leaves that scene with, well, I guess I'm yeah. a popular guy today. Yeah. So I head to the mess hall. You go to um, the mess hall. We now go to seven is in a Jeffrey's tube and she's yeah. climbing down and we, we, she discovers an undetonated chroniton torpedo that yeah. is lodged in our bulkhead. Yeah. And. Starboard uh,
0: Jeffrey's tube. bulkhead. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love how she goes arrive quickly. <laughs> she tells Tubak to arrive quickly. Yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> That's right.
1: Uh, we go to the mess hall, and yeah. Paris Which is, is helping... now a triage area. The yeah. mess hall is where everyone's getting fixed up, right? Yeah. And Paris is helping Bellana, and I did like this scene with Paris and Bellana. Yeah, and then yeah. and then the, the doctor doc, doc comes by. Snappy. Mm. He's like, "You need to get over here. I need you." Yeah, um, yeah. And Paris does not want to leave her, and then the doc lectures Paris. Yeah, on staying detached, like right. you know, she's not dying. Other people need you, yeah. and he shares the story of when he had to seal the hatch on the two crewmen. Yeah, so it's an interesting. But little he doesn't moment. share that until you say, "Physician, heal thyself." Physician, like you heal say that under himself. your
0: breath, right? And he's like, yeah. what? "What? So, yeah, yeah, I was and a little judgy. Strickler. I was a little yeah. judgy with that. You were Ensign Strickler and crewman Emmanuel. If we just got to give them some props, some credit, since yes. they're now dead, so we yes. want to be able to say. R.I.P. Yeah. Ensign Strickler and Crewman Emanuel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we have a nice little scene with the doctor. And then we go to the back to the tube mm. and Tuvok's uh, showing up and he's like, we've got to get out of here. And she goes, no, yeah. I just need, I need sevens. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out this temporal, temporal variance. variance. And he 1. said, 4. I'm ordering seconds. you, yeah. ordering you to get out mm. of here. And yeah. finally she starts to, um, to exit when she's gotten this 1.47 microsecond variance but this thing does detonate and it's bad news for Tuvok, for it's sure.
0: Ba- well, did you notice he shielded he shields 7 of 9. Did you notice that when, it, when oh, the explosion I happens? Notice that. He turns his body to shield her oh, to keep her from getting to getting wow. uh, hit by the yeah, so he's really a stand up guy to do that. Him. Yeah. He's a stand up um, guy, but
1: she should have listened <laughs> to him. Yeah, this is where I made the note we come back to day 65 and the ship yeah. looks really bad and they're mm. Eating emergency rations now, they say. And yeah. uh, replicators are knocked out, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's mm-hmm. cork and melted plastic <laughs> everywhere. And I I remember when they were redoing all of these bulkheads with that paper mache stuff. Mm. It was a big deal because yeah. they had to restore it. In fact, I'm trying to remember when this episode was over. Like they needed some time to restore our ship. I guess yeah. we'll get there as we get down these episodes, but Putting yeah. all doing all this destruction and then having to undo it yeah. took time. You know, and usually we were shooting on our ship every day, seven, yeah. you know, five days a week. Oh yeah. And so you didn't have time to hand it over to the construction department for a few days for them to do these kind of things. No. So it was um it was tricky, tricky scheduling Very and tricky. logistics.
0: Yeah. So after that captain's log where she talks about the emergency rations, now we're back on the bridge. And Chakotay is giving Janeway a gift of an old pocket watch that he's replicated. Yes, and he Captain says happy Craves.
1: Birthday. Yeah, Captain Craves uh, was a, a captain of a ship that was hit by a typhoon in the Pacific. Mm. And this is a replica of the watch. Uh, they did survive, and yeah. Um, yeah, so some symbolism there, right? Yeah, and this is for her birthday, which is May twentieth, because she says, "Oh, it's May yes. 20th.
0: Yes, I d- I forgot. I, Nobody yeah. remembers that. I Now yeah. that we see that. And now if you're, you know, I'm into astrology, you know what, you know what sign that is, right? No. What is it? I know this because my sister's birthday is May 18th, um, Taurus, which makes perfect, perfect sense now. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Because Tauruses are notoriously the most stubborn. Oh, that's <laughs> Every zodiac. Yeah. And Jane Janeway is so stubborn. It's so perfect. It's, just, you know, it's Janeway or the highway, right? So mm-hmm. uh, uh, I thought... I'm sure it was inadvertent, but the fact that it it perfectly landed on a sign that makes sense for Janeway, yes, astro- yes. astrological sign, was was really kind of um, it, it made me smile. I thought it was like, funny. oh, okay. Um, but Janeway uh, doesn't accept it. She says, "Look, you know, we, we can't even." She wants it recycled. Uh, recycle this thing. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. So,
1: and by yeah. the way, we haven't talked about Chakotay's beard in this scene. <laughs> He's got sort of a beard. I was like, does he have a smudge on his face, or is that a beard? No, it's a beard. I talk it, about it in my reaction videos. It must okay. have been like like the little stipple paint or something that they just, put
0: on. It just reminded me of like a like a little kid trying to do a be- you know a beard yeah. to match their dad. It's what yeah. it looked like. It was a little mm, it was a little sketchy.
1: Yeah, I
0: agree. I
1: agree. Uh, we go into Tuvok's quarters and we see him with a straight razor. And he oh, shaved looks
0: like a straight razor. I, I don't know. That, that that thing looked like a
1: ceremonial dagger of some it sort. Did. Or, you it did. It looked, yeah. it was kind of curved, yeah, like almost like a sickle, like yeah. a, you know, like uh oh yeah, like a old-fashioned sickle, but it was a razor and he cuts yeah. himself. And this is the moment where we reveal, oh, Tuvox blind. This yes. is the moment.
0: He has a scar over his eye. And I wrote down a Vulcan circumcision tool is what he used to shave
1: himself. I mean, what
0: is that? It was really bizarre. Um, Yes. He's blind now. He has no, he has no sight whatsoever.
1: Seven seven comes in Seven comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she, uh, she escorts him out and you can see that he sort of reaches. Yeah. The, this is, this was a sad moment I yeah
0: saw. very sad and she has she came in there because she has an idea about uh, modifying the deflectors to help out the cause mm-hmm. and now we jump to the corridor where seven is escorting Tubak down the hallway and, and now we see sue, sue henley, henley. <laughs> sue henley says seven so another sue henley chance at having a line yeah uh sue this henley kate, we stand kate stand in kate yeah.
1: stand in Sue yeah. Henley got a
0: line here I, I didn't know that do we know is this the first time we hear her name as well yeah, I don't we, recall.
1: Yeah. What is seven, her seven calls or something? I can't Brooks. Her name is Ensign oh, Brooks. Yeah. Brooks. And like she, she talks says, about yeah, that. She's my, bunk my, mate cabin mate. Or something, yeah. my cabin mate now. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny because she said something like, you know, when I was uh, on, on the Borg in the collective, I live with hundreds of drones. Yeah. But living with one human oh, is yeah. more difficult. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Um, now we see Neelix. He shows up in a gold Starfleet uniform and he has yes. Tuvok. And he looks good in, in the Starfleet uniform. By the way,
1: when I first saw him in the Starfleet uniform, I was like, mm-hmm. I was thinking, I said to Rebecca, I'm like, wait, haven't we seen him in a Starfleet uniform before? Uh, it was in the episode where Kes was going jumping time. Uh, Remember when yes, Kes was jumping yes, around? Yes. yes and yes. we jumped to a moment where they yep. were, something was going on with time yeah, and he was in that gold uniform.
0: That's right. And That's that was right.
1: this episode. I bet they were setting up.
0: Um, oh, I see what you're saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. They jumped to, to this episode with yeah. his ghost Software uniform. So he asked Tuvok what to program for the audio signal. So, a nice little comedic moment here when he's yeah. like, should it be intruder alert or should it be intruders among us? Danger, danger. So, he's like, it to me, yeah. you know, this this was a nice little moment of relief, a little bit of comedic relief. Yes. And, that, and there's really only two moments of comedic relief in here the doctor's little speech in the beginning. beginning. Beginning in Mm -hmm. astrometrics and here with uh with Neelix, and that's it. That's about
1: it for comedy. Mm Yeah, Yeah, He I I was thinking about Lost in Space, the robot from Lost in Space Danger Will Robinson. Danger Will Robinson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Yeah, I felt like there was a little bit of an homage to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh now they head to battle stations because Chicota krenim are approaching, Mm -hmm. and the bridge looks really bad at this point, beams have fallen down. It's Tuvok boring. is taking blindly taking his station, the Crenum <laughs> are firing, temporal <laughs> shields are working. Yeah. Um, Harry says Although, that, did you yeah. notice he has he's able to switch his
0: console to, to a a tactile display or something so he can like read braille or something yeah, on it? it. You know, I like, the same what? thing. I mean, with everything all, ma- all malfunctioning like that, it, it, he's able to do that. I thought yeah. that's
1: pretty impressive. So yes, okay. Yeah, he's got a braille, yeah. Yes, and he reads <laughs> braille. He's yes. learned that very quickly. He's learned it very
0: quickly. <laughs> um so Tuvok uh, tells Seven to go to the deflector control and bring the new shields online. And we'll just test it while we're going into battle. This will be our test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're on the bridge, and Janeway is is making sure, you know, requesting that Seven get these get this thing online. She finally mm-hmm. brings them online, and um, sure enough, the Credum fire upon us, and the temporal shields are holding. They mm-hmm. actually
1: stop. they work.
0: Yeah, they work.
1: And then Harry um, says, "There's a giant temporal wave approaching." Yeah, again,
0: displace distortion wave coming distortion
1: in. Distortion wave, you know, wave coming small, in yeah. when that when the shields work and that wave does hit, yeah. uh, the Krenim ship is changed to a much older, kind of smaller model. That, yeah. you know, again, yeah. the ship changes as the wave passes over it, it makes no sense. Chicote says the. That the whole region has actually yeah. changed.
0: Yeah, all the Krenim settlements that are there are gone. There's only a few ships that are flying in the area. Mm-hmm. Whereas this used to be
1: heavily populated Krenimir. It the was Krenum the Krenim Imperium, Imperium yeah. and now mm-hmm. it, there's a, a few scattered colonies and a few ships. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. it's very confusing. And we go cut over to the Krenim Weapon ship, and Anorax is furious. He's yeah, like, he's
0: mad because they how- went to yeah. The, yeah they went to uh, they went to eradicate the Garanor. Homeworld, right, mm-hmm. and so that's where that displacement wave, spatial distortion wave, came from uh, when they fired the weapon on the Garinor Homeworld, which eradicated them. But then, because because we had our temporal shields on, that tweaked all their calculations, and that's yep. why the new the Krenim sh- uh, warship following us following us turns into this nothing ship, right? Well, the, Just- they
1: they literally say scans reveal an inert element that shouldn't be there. Yeah, I guess we're the inert element. Well, no, he, he says that that, right? that
0: we are typically um we've already scanned that ship. It is it it was considered an inert element, so meaning it doesn't really affect it. But because oh, they see. had our ship, because we threw these had shields temporal on, yeah, shields running. that
1: changed everything. I see. Right. So um, well, he's pissed off. Yeah. He's not. And he's like, let's get over there. Yeah, they had to yeah. intercept us. Yeah. We cut to uh, now. It says day seventy. On yeah. the screen, we're in Astrometrics, yeah. and Janeway and Seven have a great scene together.
0: Yeah, I'm where they're really puzzling,
1: mm-hmm. puzzling through things, and Janeway brings up this idea of a causality par- paradox. Yes, yes. Where is if the idea that if you eliminate one species, that all of history is altered. That that because we are so interwoven, as uh, you know, I mean, if you think about our planet, yeah, you know, if you eliminate one animal species that it changes the whole balance of nature and Mm -hmm. the same would apply to space, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny that
0: when you watch this episode, if you just think about the whole star Trek concept of the prime directive, where we don't interfere mm-hmm. with other people's business. And whereas this Credum timeship is the exact polar opposite. Yep. We do interfere with everybody's business. Everybody's anywhere, anytime we right. feel free, you know, we're going to do it. Right. That's so very. they're, they're anti-Starfleet, the exact opposite. So yep. the Credum are anti-matter and, and Starfleet are matter basically. Right. The two mm-hmm. cannot exist together. Um, the time ship timeship uh, appears and they abduct two crew members to test them and of what? course it's chicote and paris they just paris and chicote they're beamed out yep he says um, he has
1: transferred us for further analysis yes yeah,
0: so you guys are going to get probed by the aliens that's yeah. what's about to happen okay yeah. um and then um you know they fire the weapon upon us but we figure out that uh they don't travel any faster than warp 6 like we mm-hmm. said before so we escape at warp 7 the ship is falling apart and then we, we come up on that final scene where uh, we're in the mess hall triage area and Janeway gives her speech to the crew mm-hmm. about evacuating the ship. Escape pods are equipped with subspace beacons so we will be able to find everyone. The senior staff will stay on the ship and try to figure everything else out. We're, we're going to try to save uh, Chakotay in Paris. And, um, you know, good luck. Um, good luck. Everyone. And then we finish
1: yeah. on the outside, out in space. We see yeah. the outside of the ship, these hatches opening. Yeah, And all these cool little pods shooting out out. of the side, Uh, popping out of the side of Voyager. That's the last image. And it says to be continued. So uh, part two, we'll see what happens. But I love that last shot of of all the pods coming out. I thought it was very cool. What is your lesson for this episode? My theme, my lesson is that you can never completely erase the past. I think (laughs) I, I sort of struggled with it, but I was like, yeah. Well, they had that 90 per, 98% success rate and you know the the henchman guy is going you mm. know uh, it's just never going to like this is as good as it's going to get and he's yeah. like no no we have to keep trying yeah my theme is you can't ever completely erase, erase the, past the past or mm. or recapture the past like you can't mm. you can't erase it you can't uh, recreate it that you just can't. You can't completely. You may be able to to recreate parts of the of the past and and some ex- parts of the experiences that you've had, but you're never, you know, um, you just can't control time.
0: <laughs> Even yeah.
1: sci-fi people like like these Krenim people with all their technology are not cannot completely control time. Yeah, but there's some things that are still mysterious and, and okay. untouchable. So yeah,
0: yeah. What I think you? for me. I think for me, I I really kind of focused in on what the doctor had to deal with in shutting that hatch, Mm. you know, and that underlying lesson is sort of that lesson that you've heard a lot in Star Trek, which is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, right? Because if he kept that door open for those few for the two, really, that would have jeopardized the entire crew, really, right? So he had to make that that decision and that's sometimes not the popular decision yeah but it's the decision that has to be made so Mm -hmm. even
1: Um, seven not listening to tuvok and staying to try to figure out the 1.47 microns or whatever she was thinking of the needs of the many if i can do this i can and she was and and tuvok did suffer the consequences of that of her delay Mm -hmm. but because she delayed she was able to save the ship from yeah what would have been destruction at that point? Correct. Correct. So okay. Interesting. What's your rating on this?
0: I'm gonna give it a
1: I'm gonna give it a seven. I'm gonna give mm. it a seven. That's interesting. Interesting. That. Yeah. We're very close. I, I have six and a half out of ten.
0: Six point five. Oh, I almost said six point five, but I was like, you know what? I'll round up. So
1: I was gonna yeah. say six. My first instinct was a six because I gotta be mm. honest, I didn't love this episode. It's okay. okay yeah um i i'm hoping that in part two it will pay off it was okay i felt mm-hmm. like it was just very action-packed in a way that i wasn't invested in this theme of time and of or or even the theme that you had with the doctor's theme of the needs mm-hmm. of the many like i just mm-hmm. didn't feel like those themes were landed in in our in the dialogue or the story in in a, mm-hmm. in a way okay. that felt really um uh, There were moments, there was the moment with Paris and Bellano when they were, you know, she was suffering in the mess hall and he was trying to be empathetic and tender with her. There was moments with the doctor. But I don't know. It just felt like these moments that didn't quite get super deep for me. So Mm -hmm. six and a half, six and a half. Six and a half. Well,
0: uh, let's hope part two is better for you. (laughs) I'm (laughs) excited to
1: see part two. It was a lot of fun to watch. And like I said, I think there were you know, um, um, Alan Craker directed a masterclass in terms of some of the staging and things he did. So yeah, there's a lot of things about it. I love the, the big idea of, of trying to continue to reset time until Mm -hmm. you get back to this perfect moment in time Mm -hmm. that you're looking for. Yeah. Those ideas, there's a lot of good ideas in here, but I just felt like, in the end, I was left with a six and a half. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Did you go six and a half also because of paper mache and, and cork board? A
1: little bit. I felt like, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like cork cork on the floor and paper mache. And okay. All right. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, everyone. All right. Well, that we'll was fun. will see you next week. Yeah. We'll see you next
1: week for part two. Part I am, two. I'm actually very excited to see what happens after this uh, skate pod moment.
0: I know. We have yes. no clue what's going on with Chakotay no and Tom. No idea. No clue. Okay. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Join us next week when Robbie and I review The Year of Hell Part 2. And for our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material.
1: And we will see all of you next week.